Hello, you're listening to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. Welcome to season four of the 100 Mass Men series, where I anonymously interview different types of men on dealing with relationships in today's modern world. Continuing with this week's theme on building better relationships, masked man number 93 is the emotionally illiterate man. This is a term he actually used to call himself, and it really shows how much we identify with our own words. This is a powerful conversation about a man who learns how to love and really puts in the effort to articulate the pain involved in expressing those emotions. In this episode, we talk about compromise again. We talk about trying to meet in the middle, and I am obviously a little bit skeptical as I always see that women have to over-accommodate on the emotional support in relationships. Can we get to a common ground? Let's get into it. I hope you enjoy the show. I would say my, my childhood was, I would always say it was like a punch in the face, you know? And so being six, year, six years old and being molested, like I was introduced to pain at a very young age. So of course, when you're one, two, three, four, five, you're computing things, with, but they're not really being defined. So in six, I went in such a protection mode and, and doing a lot of healing and growing now, I can unravel and, and interpret my life. But in, in that moment, I was so afraid, you know, because once you're violated at, at that young age, now every relationship is seen through those eyes. So because I was in protection mode and in fear mode, I think it changed how I could have perceived any relationship. I was afraid to be close to people. I was afraid to feel, you know, I disconnected my feelings and emotions for survival. So to survive, I didn't want to feel, I didn't want to cry because I was going through so much pain. How did you, at, at age six slash seven, did you know that you, your body was violated or were you tricked into that? Like, what was that experience like for you? And did, were you able to tell anybody until, no. or when did you end up telling anyone? I held it in all the way from uh, six to, I was about 20, 24, 25. And the first person I told was my, uh, my son's mother. And um, of course I understood violation and I understood, you know, physicality, sex or whatever the case. Boys, we're bad, so we're gonna watch TV. So I used to watch TV and know what sex is. I didn't understand it and I didn't feel like I could tell my mother. And I didn't feel like I could tell anybody. I, I, I just didn't, I didn't even compute. It was like, uh, an emotional maze, like I was lost inside myself. So it was like a phone when it buffered, like it was like my mind was just buffering, trying to figure out and trying to understand what took place. And then, like I say, through the years of protecting myself, that protection turned into anger, that protection turned into frustration. That, you know, for the most part, when you see something angry and when you see something like a volcano, a volcano, don't start out exploding and erupting. So when you see like all my teachers and foster homes and caseworkers, they all called me bad and said I was, you know, ADHD, retarded, remedial, you know, when all of that frustration was really because I was soft and afraid inside. So I was erupting on the outside because I did not know how to communicate. So like I said, I think that created 
not a bias, but whatever you would call, like I wasn't able to truly value love. So now somebody trying to love me, I'm gonna see it through the eyes that I was hurt or that I was in so much pain. So it literally took me to literally almost five, six years to truly unravel my life and truly, and also the birth of my son and becoming a father where I've fully allowed to comprehend my experience. Yeah, I think that's really interesting that we see a lot of young boys erupting in anger and not labeling it as fear or protection or a survival mode, especially with bullies or I guess not good behavior, whatever you want to deem as bad behavior as and not listening. So when men grow up into just more of an adult and, and they still erupt in this anger, how would you be able to figure out where that comes from originally? Like, do you think it goes all the way back into a childhood situation? Is there a way to communicate with that? I think my challenge is being a woman, it's, it's really difficult for a man to let me in at that point to be vulnerable. It's already hard for men to let other men in or anyone that is even close to them in because you're living your life so long in that protective mode. Well, to be honest, you have different breaks now depending on your, your cultural background, your racial background. So, you know, growing up, quote unquote, uh, African-American, black male in America, you know, you have these images that's telling you that you're hard, that you're supposed to be tough. And then I have my mother telling me, get up, boys don't cry. So in every aspect of my life, I'm told not to cry. Even if you play sports and you play basketball, you fall and you hurt yourself, get up, be tough, don't cry, don't feel, don't this, don't this, and don't this. So you're trained and you're raised with a disconnect. And everyone you love, everyone you care about is telling you not to care. For the most part, this goes on with a lot of races or cultures around the world, depending on what kind of household you're raised in. Because I could say not only for like African-American, you know, for people who's living under, under that perspective or concept, but just in general, the be, be tough, you're a boy, you're not supposed to cry. So to be honest, a relationship for the most part is, is usually the first time a man meets someone that's telling him to open up. You have a wife or you have a, a girlfriend. She's saying, why can't you express yourself? Why, I want you to tell me how you feel. And if, if you have you know, a young man that's 25, 22, and for his whole life, he was told to be tough and not cry and fight through everything and be prepared to be a man. And a man is supposed to protect, provide, and carry the world on his back. Now you have someone telling you that it's okay. And that's such like a reality shift and an emotional culture shock because for the first time, when you're not allowed to be in your heart and you're not allowed to feel and you live your whole life in your mind. So that's why they say men are logical and we think, but we're kind of like abandoned. And, you know, that process of feeling and being emotional and being loving and being caring and being compassionate is stripped away from us. From yeah. media, from movies and from our parents. So, you know, women and wives and girlfriends, you meet the man that's trying to function. So a lot of times we say, oh, he's losing his mind and 
he was he was okay for the first three months and he just started losing his mind. What's, what's taking place is the man is actually trying to function with his heart for the And that's such a scary thing to do when you mm-hmm. only live in your mind. Yeah. And I think a big thing, like you said, is a cultural aspect, at least like from my space, from an Asian background, we never expressed emotion. It was kind of being able to control your emotion was something to look up to. It didn't really matter which gender you were. Obviously, as a man, you had more roles to play as the provider of the family, but generally we don't express love in the household. So I didn't know what that was like. And I remember even struggling to have relationships with other women. And I remember one time I tried to (laughs) communicate some kind of gratitude towards a friend of mine. And I was struggling to just say, you know, thank you for being here all of this time, helping me through this difficult time I was in. And she just looked at me and started smiling. And she was like, oh, are we having a moment? And that made me cringe. I was so uncomfortable with it because I've never been emotional for it ever. And she just wanted to stay in it because that was a way to, to bond with me. And that's what I've now learned with relationships with women. Bonding for them is finding that common ground, expressing your emotions, whereas bonding among men in a different language is really on expressing your intellect or from the mind. So in your experience, do you have an example of where you had that switch, where you finally attempted to use your emotional expression? And how did that pan out for you? You know, growing up, to show love was considered soft. Like, so I never would tell my friends I love them and I cared. And, you know, words, words are worlds. When you use words, you open up dimensions, you know, and nothing scary, but when you say, I love you, when you say, I care, when you value, like, you learn how to connect the person to a deeper part of yourself. Even me being a mentor and me, me working with, the, with, with young men, you know, I remember one day I was in a youth organization and the young men had to be no older than six, seven, eight. And, and it was just one day, I just told them all, I said, man, I love you guys. And it's like simultaneously, they all looked at me and said, man, we not gay. Like, why are you, you know? And it's like, I had to take that in because as a young man, I understand their concept that love means soft and to care means soft. And, you know, and I'm so removed because my son, like since he was born, I shower him with love. And, and that's where I learned. And that's where I overcame my battles when, when I became a father, you know, because for so many people, love was a trigger. Love was a weapon. So if you look at me growing up, my mother gave me away to a foster home. This was the person I loved and wanted, and I wanted them to love me. And that's the thing about love. Love resonates with people differently. So my mother did love me, but she didn't show me the way I wanted to see love or I perceived love to be. And then love, we all have different ways we connect to it. So being that I was so hurt from my mother, so hurt from my father not being there, when people told me they loved me or showed me a sign that they cared, it was such a trigger for me because love meant that someone was about to hurt me. So I was so afraid of love that whenever you try to display that, I looked at you as an enemy because I knew hurt wasn't too far behind. So when it came to my son for the first time, 
it was this precious life that, that I know wouldn't hurt me, that I know wouldn't let me down. But if all parents out there with kids, <laughs> you know your kids reach a certain age and they, they hurt you and let you down, just it's teenagers being teenagers and they, they grow apart and, and they're not the same cuddly, loving children as they were when they were three, four, or five. But for the first time in my life, I had something to love that I could believe in. And I had someone to love without being afraid that they were going to hurt me. So my son allowed me to finally be brave enough to experience and to practice this word we call love and practice my emotions, practice opening up. So I smiled the most with my son. I hugged the most with my son. I expressed myself the most with my son. And that's the first time I was allowed to emotionally spar with another soul. That's so beautiful. And, you know, I hope that we don't have to wait until we have children, because that's also a luxury, a blessing too, to have children, to be able to express love. And I think it's that thing that is so new, precious, innocent, vulnerable, that of course, it's unable to, to cause you harm, right? But um, how would you, if you didn't have that scenario, how would, else would you have found a way to love differently? And what is your new definition of love? I love your questions. I think we would be looking at a whole nother human right now. I could try to say another human or another person, but I have no idea because I wasn't trusting and I wasn't open. So I don't know what this looks like if it wasn't for my son. I don't know what life would look like right now because it, it, it's truly life or death and not even in the sense that a person has to die, but life or death that once I love, I, I could live. I could be happy, I could smile. You know, and, and the first thing you feel when you truly love, my smile never registered to my heart. Like I, I moved my face, but I never felt a smile. So like those are the first times I felt all of that. And um, I don't know what this looks like without my son. Love to me now is, like I always say, you can't hold on and jump at the same time. Love is embracing being in the air and understanding even though life is unpredictable, even though people are unpredictable, you love anyway. I don't know if I'm gonna be here tomorrow. I don't know if my loved ones are gonna be here tomorrow. I don't know if, if when I give love, I'm going to receive it, but to, to give purely, to give freely is love, you know? To understand, like I always say, your perception and your perspective controls your reality. And we live in one world, but it's many different realities. Every every mind is is its own is its own reality. And I love because I love. I don't depend on other people to control my love. So some people are like internal and external. I'm external. I have to give it. So I just think it's freedom. To embrace it all, fear mm -hmm. could be beautiful. Darkness could be beautiful. All of these things that we define and we, we give a title to resonate. Like, I just think love is freedom. You know, yeah. Love 
his balance and his trust, even in the conditions that you could trust nothing, or even in the conditions that you don't know. Like life is chaotic and your own body is chaos right now, just trying to keep you alive. Your body is fighting. But in that chaos is beauty. You know, imperfection is perfection. Something is working for something. So I just think love is embracing that space. Love is um, just holding on enough to value the experience, not feeling like you're holding on to, to own it, uh, to possess it. But yeah. if I could just say a word, I would say freedom. Okay. I love that. I also think of that way with love that to be loved is in the loving, is in the giving, is when you are loved because it's everything that you give. It's not about feeling the love or getting the love in return, right? It's always about the giving. And I have a question in terms of being a father. I think, is that the only time that men might be allowed to actually express love? You know, like you said, cuddle and hug your baby. But I also think that that's also not really accepted for most men to be that expressive towards their children either. So did you ever get any pushback or judgment about being overly expressive towards your uh, child? Uh, the thing about parenting is you, you have to embrace a life that, you know, yeah, your 10-year-old is not your five-year-old. Your 15-year-old is not your 10-year-old. So as long as you understand the concept that you, you love something that grows and you love something that changes. So when my son is young, you value hugs, you value love, you value the compassion, you value that level of care. He, you know, especially a boy, a boy, a young man grows, you know, he may not want as many hugs, he may not want that much affection. So where I am now currently, I just learned how to express myself to everyone in my life now can understand. And for the most part, when you have a healthy situation, meaning that I identify and I recognize my emotional delays or my emotional traumas and I know how to express them. And then you have another life outside of you and you know how to embrace and allow that person to speak their reality. And not only do you know how to hear their world, but you know how to interpret it and value it. You know, I, I was on the phone today with, with one of my clients, whatever the case, and um, he was talking about these different situations. Things like when, when you have people that feel Sometimes they don't want their feelings interpreted. Sometimes feelings don't have words. Sometimes you can't put a, a thought to every feeling. Sometimes a feeling needs to be felt and not interpreted. It's the same thing with music. So you'll have a generation, like the older generation, they were more lyrical. So like this generation is more melody. And I had to disconnect from wanting to hear music to wanting to value and the feeling of it. So I'm not going to get knowledge from the Migos. I'm not going to get lyrics. I'm not going to get like that deep level of substance and guidance. But I can get a feeling. I can get a vibration. So when it comes to people and when it comes to the way you want to be loved and the way, you know, other people want to be loved and the way 
person perceives love, it's all about your level of understanding and how you can communicate your world. But for most men, it's very difficult. Because like I said, the process of being able to interpret your emotions. I used to always call myself emotionally illiterate, which I never use that word again because words create worlds. I was in a prison with that word. But there's so many men that don't know how to feel. And they're afraid of that space. That's what brings the anxiety, the stress. That's what brings narcissism and all of these titles that women give men. It's just that men are afraid to go to that heart space. They're afraid to go to that feeling space because they lack the ability to understand that yin and the yang perspective. So it's the same thing with a lot of women. With a lot of, and, I, and I don't create the box and just say women and men. People are people. Life is life. Emotion is energy and motion. So we're all human. We're all supposed to feel. We're all supposed to cry. We're all supposed to just live the natural occurrences of life. But for most men, unfortunately, without the proper help and guidance and compassion and understanding, most men will be in, I would just say like a logical prison for the rest of their life. Mm. Yeah, that is a very powerful phrase, being emotionally illiterate. And I can definitely hear a lot of guys relating to that concept. Why is it so scary for men to open up in that heart space, in your opinion? For me, like I said, when I was six years old, I disconnected. Like, of course, I didn't have the intelligence to know exactly what I did. But understanding your neurological pathways to once you create habits of the mind, once you create habits of the brain, you say it takes 21 days, if I'm not mistaken, to create a habit. So if you're supposed to cry, if you're supposed to feel, but you trick your mind and body into believing that you're not supposed to feel and you're not supposed to cry. Same thing for, for fighters and soldiers. They build that defense mechanism to be strong. So if you watch jujitsu and kung fu and they break bricks, punch bricks with their hand and they could be stabbed and they'll tap into a part of themselves that could still survive and move around even though they have a knife wound. So for a lot of men that never tap into a space, that's not a natural occurrence. So because you programmed it into your soul and into your mind that it's not normal to feel this, it's not normal to express this, it's not normal to allow myself to go through this process, it's weird and painful to experience that. Because like I said, if I was that, if I was seven to six feeling all the pain, I would have probably killed myself. So okay. it, it was a very valuable, it, it saved my life, you know? But the thing about it, you can't live in survival mode. So I learned how to survive at a very young age because I didn't talk to nobody, I didn't let it out. I was hurt. I think I cried the first couple of days, but I held all of that in. So now, you know, me being a man, sometimes I cry and I don't know where the tears are coming from. Sometimes I, sometimes I go through overwhelming feelings. And the thing about feelings and emotions and tears, they're going to come out soon. And, and even if they don't come out in tears, they're going to come out in pain. So this is where we have people in our life or be like, I would have never expected that person to do that and hurt this person or harm themselves. That's because those, motion, those emotions came out in rage. Those emotions came out in violence. Those emotions came out in fear. So people have all of that anxiety and trauma 
and, and that emotional space trapped inside of them and they didn't let it out in tears and they didn't let it out in emotions and it comes out with yelling and arguments and insults you know so it, it's such a painful thing when you allow yourself to feel for the first time because it's like a pregnancy so imagine holding the baby in like even though it's supposed to come out nine months you held it in because you was afraid to give birth to that life so so many men are afraid to give birth to their pain and they hold it in with me like i was six and i held it in until i was 24. you know and that's where stress comes from that's where anxiety comes from that's where suicide and all these things come from because now i'm giving birth to this pain that's unbearable so if i would have let it out at six it would have been hard and it would have been painful but it wouldn't have been catastrophic. So for some men to feel it's a catastrophic event for them. So that's why even you feel it when, when you tell your husband and, or your, when women say, oh, I feel the reason we're so triggered by your feelings is because you, you're triggering the feelings that we don't want to feel. And it's making us run or it's making us yell or it's making us argue because we're not ready to go into that space. And I'm not saying for me, I healed and I, I learned how to deal with this space. So if you're saying that you're kind of used to this one method of living in the survival mode in this very low frequency, and then you get invited to express your emotions and, you know, expressing that fear of just not knowing how to process that and go into that space. Is that like life or death? Like, does it feel like you're dying? It's definitely life or death and you are dying. You know, but it could be, a, I don't like to say good and a bad thing, but it could be a good and a good thing because I died multiple times, meaning that the perspective of me, when I didn't feel, when I didn't value my feelings, I was a dark person. I would harm myself by harming other people. And, and some people rather kill, some people rather murder, some, some people rather insult, some people rather go through any phase than to deal with that pain because pain, like it's the same thing when someone's molested and they go out and molest other children or someone went through pain so they go out and give that pain and some men go through these emotional burdens and instead of opening up and especially for men, you know, a, a man that was touched or molested when he was young, especially by another man or whatever case, you don't wanna open up and you don't wanna say, hey, this happened to me or if you were teased or whatever the case, you don't want to open up these worlds. So that angry man or that aggressive man that's violent or that whatever the murderer is, it's a childhood pain inside that grew into that aggressive man. And because that pain was never expressed or never let out, it's causing death. So when we say life or death, it is life or death on so many different levels. It is the life or death from the you that will be healed and be balanced and be available for your family and your loved ones. And it will be life for relationships that will end prematurely because the two souls that love one another that ran out of the information to be there for one another, they will be able to live. It will be life or death for the father that really wanna be there and care, but he, he don't have the information to emotionally connect to his daughter. So it's life or death in so many situations See, I don't ever try to like have the words, oh, we got to do a snap out of it. Like, because healing, like when I say eye healing, living, these are things that you don't ever stop doing. 
So it's not like, oh, I healed and I'm perfect. No, like every day I have to do the mental and emotional exercises to be the me that's talking to you. And it's not a day I take off and go, oh, no, I'm good today. I'm perfect. No, because the little kid inside of me is still there. The pain is still there. You know, the emotional disconnects are still there. But it's my exercises, it's my regimens, it's my thought process, it's my mindset that allowed me to function and to be balanced and to be uh, guided through the information and strategies that I taught myself. It is a life's journey to heal. Yeah, absolutely. I think we always forget that because we're so used to school. Like once you finish a thing, you just check and the task is over and you're done, right? But that's never the the way to go with uh, your personal development. It's always continuous. As you were going through the work in your healing journey, how was the role of women in your life? Did they help you become more emotionally expressive or was it more men? that were the ones as a role model for you? For one, like uh, women actually have the possibility to be the best teachers because for the most part, we are willing to open up to women. But, you know, in, in the black community, I'm not sure if this is every phrase in every community, like it's a phrase, oh, I'm not here to raise no man. Like, so we're already like afraid to open up to like, a lot of women because you know women are like i'm not here to be nobody's father i mean nobody's mother like the one thing that i learned the relationships outside of me whether they are romantic relationships that they could grow no deeper than i had grown within myself so i ran into issues and i ran into disconnections and those disconnections was because i i had no depth within myself so like I said, I couldn't connect emotionally because I wasn't connected emotionally. I couldn't process emotions. And I thought, like, I looked at emotions like it totally was like off. Like I didn't understand it. So, and the thing about healing, like when you heal, you realize how many people you owe apologies, like, because now you feel and it's like, wow, that's what that was. You hear words that you couldn't understand, you know, because when you see through your heart, life changes. It's two different views. So when, when I've seen life emotionally and through my heart, I was able to, to identify, but like my last relationship gave me like an emotional college degree because I was able to learn. And I think like people that we're in relationships with are like our sparring partners because we spar with what we are and we spar with our reflection, you know? So even soulmates, like a lot of people think they have one soulmate, but the, the concept of soulmate is your soul mating, your soul connecting. And, and depending on your level of consciousness, that's who you're connected to. So a lot of times we're in a broken space and we yearn for connection and we yearn to be cared for. But if you're in a healed space, if you're in a balanced space, if you're in a trusted space, you're going to connect with someone that's balanced, trusting, loving, and in an emotional healthy space. So for me, I was allowed to make mistakes. And of course it's painful to make mistakes and it's painful to go through heartbreak, but heartbreak and like trying your best to love someone, but being disconnected because you're disconnected within yourself. That was was the best sparring for me, even though it was painful. So I definitely learned a lot. Even though I had, I had like uh, three girlfriends in my life, 
and I'm, I'm literally, I just got out of a relationship a year ago. And, and that relationship literally like taught me so many life-saving perspectives and mechanisms because just bumping my head emotionally and seeing that I wasn't even talking to the person I love, but I was talking to myself. The disconnection that I was experiencing was inside me. And for me to love to the next level, I realized how much work I have to do within myself. So I value that relationship. Like you are your first relationship. It is really one relationship. I value, honor, and respect myself. So something I choose, I want that to have a, a respect. So it's the same concept of a table. You know, you have a strong table, that means all the legs are equally connected. So no one table leg is, is holding the other one up. So I don't want someone to be my piece. I want to be my own piece. And we learn how to grow, balance, and maintain our piece together. You know, so I definitely value the emotional and mental sparring, but I don't want to use women as crash dummies because I value women more than that. So women are not here just to be my emotional practice. So now I allow myself to, to value women and keep women in a space where I can just learn from them, where I can uh, listen, and um, I could, I could uh, value where they are mentally. And not only women, but just people in general in life. And I allow myself to learn because the thing about love, you can't practice love. You, you have to be in it. It's just like boxing. Like there's no, that's why they have sparring partners and you have to create the fight. You have to create the intensity of the fight. So love, you can't be like, oh, let me fake like I'm in love to feel it. No, like you have to really love. You have to really put your heart on the line. You have to really open up to see how you'll be triggered mm -hmm. and, and what you learn and what you grew. So. Yeah. I like that analogy of like boxing to create the fight, but you're creating the fight in a ring. So it's a safe environment and you also have protection on. You also have a timer on, and this is when you're in full fight mode and you're ready to test your defense, your offense, your technique, everything, right? Versus getting into a street fight. So I, I understand and I agree that you need to be in relationships to understand yourself in that reflection, right? Through that practice. Because otherwise, if you're just here by yourself, you, you can essentially think you're healed but without putting that into a real life scenario, you'll never really know. However, I think you're right. You know, there's a lot more hurt people than there are healed people because they haven't put in the work. So a lot of hurt people can connect with a lot of hurt people. And you think that those people are very social and attractive and have a lot of things going for them versus the healed people are kind of more isolated in their own spaces because they're not connecting to a lot of people because they're just on a different level. What I am challenged with a lot of the time with women, because I think it's just societally more acceptable for women to focus on their personal healing than it is for men. It's always been more of a female trend on prevention rather than a reaction to, you know, like men kind of wait until they're already struggling to then focus on their health. So with women, more or less, so more in that healed space, more availability to be healing, to help each other heal, to also be more engaged in emotional expression. They're going to meet a lot of men that are going to use them as 
punching bags or use them as, you know, a fight club or a street fight situation. So how would you suggest on either side to create a better balance, to communicate better boundaries so that we're not in these relationships where one person is trying to take advantage of the other or utilize the other as practice, but then not give the same respect back to the other? And I, I wouldn't even say, I, I don't think a lot of men do it intentionally. Like, oh yeah, like, for sure. Like I would say like cancer don't know it's cancer. You know, it's just in your body killing you. Most people that need help, just for me, I, I don't even, I don't need to say most people. Myself, because I was so logical, like I lived in my mind my whole entire life. This created like, I'm a giant mentally. You know, I'm mentally like, some might say I operate on a genius level mentally, but but I'm emotionally a baby, you know, like, but I'm growing and I think I a lot of progress in, in the last past years with information and content, videos, documentaries, books, and human interaction. But when you don't know, you don't know. So it's people in love and it's people living on their level, meaning, you know, there's so many families that was raised in toxic households and raised in toxic environments. So they don't even know what a healthy environment looked like or a healthy household looked like. It's a young man that watched his father abuse his mother and they've been together for 30 years and they told each other they love one another. So a young man sees that relationship and computes that relationship as love. So I could abuse my wife, I could hit my wife and that's all a part of love. He don't see where the disconnection and dysfunction and the abuse and, and how all of that is traumatic. So there's so many people that's inside their reality, inside their world and duplicating their household. And when I say household, I mean hold, like your household has a hold on you if you don't outgrow that perspective, if you don't outgrow those behaviors. So it's not only till you meet another soul and you like, you get in an argument and, and then all of a sudden, boom, that person explodes, shut up, I told you. And then he hits you out of nowhere and it's like, I thought you loved me and why would you do? And I do love you. He think that's normal. And he don't see the disconnect. He don't see the abuse. And not only to you learn that this is not normal. The way you were raised is not normal. You have to work on that. And as you grow and you have those, those, those neural connectors in your mind and, of what is habits and, and that's why some people say this is me this is the way I am and if nobody like it and but sometimes people don't ask themselves what if you were cultivated in pain and trauma and, and toxic behaviors and you know to go through that healing process is it's the balance and the understanding that we need to look at you know where we are how are we cultivated do I love with a healthy perspective of what love is so sometimes we get into relationships not even taking these things into accountability. So it's not that a lot of men want to use women as emotional punching bags or whatever the case. People don't even know. And, and when you meet another soul, you know, trust is a major key where, where you know someone is really being mm -hmm. genuine with you, genuine with your emotions. And, you know, you allow that person to go, hey, you know, I see the way you did this. And I don't think that, you know, this is okay. And maybe you should work. And, for you to trust that person enough to go, hey, so, so you, you, you see that on the outside? And that's what happened for me. It was like somebody like kept saying, maybe you need it. And I'm like, why do you keep saying this? And I'm inside me and I don't get it. Because like I said, I come from 
dysfunctional household. I come from yelling. I come from screaming. I come from door slamming and all that. That's normal because that's that's what I knew mm-hmm. until until I grow and and <clears throat> my house is peaceful and it's peace. And I talk to my son and I respect him and I'm not cursing him out and I teach him something because in life you're just gonna meet moments where he's like I, I don't I never even knew that. So sometimes we want to yell thinking everybody know what we know and we want to be so impatient you know so I think those are the, the moments and the time we, we're meeting emptiness we're meeting lack of information lack of understanding and when we get in these relationships we have to look at how does this person love what is this person's perspective of love what is this person's outlook on emotions you know mental health is this person teachable does this person you know understand does this person reflect on themselves are they willing to change are they willing to grow not to the perspective of changing who they are completely, but if it's an unhealthy space and maybe not in their own life, but as you connect to another soul, are you willing to work on you to empower us? So mm-hmm. it's so many. Yeah, I hear you on that in, t- in the sense that it's not, it's never intentional. I don't think anyone knows that they're hurting properly and they don't even know how hurtful they can be in their expression and maybe in their eyes they care so much about you and they're bursting with love and they just aren't presenting it in a way that feels good or feels safe and I guess my question to you is how do you think being a man women can better communicate their boundaries because I think unfortunately due to whatever cultural background whatever popular media, things on TV that we see, women are always the one that's overly accommodating because they have to be, you know, that's mom for you. That's the girlfriend, wife character for you. She's always going to allow the Simpsons, you know, they're always going to allow Homer to kind of do whatever. And, and there's an acceptance to that. Like, for example, if Uh, I'm going on a date with someone and it's been 20 minutes past and I will just communicate to them. So then how would you advise someone to communicate with it better? Because if I'm like, this is not acceptable, this date is over, I'm going to leave, you're 20 minutes late. I'm going to be the anomaly. I'm going to be the random person that's like, oh, her her boundaries are too intense or too strong or too whatever, you know, and then you're going to default to the women that are more accommodating. And then I'm going to feel pressured to become more accommodating, to be like everyone else. So how would you suggest that we kind of avoid moving towards the people-pleasing space just because that's the popular decision or the popular thought process based on what we've seen in other relationships? So it's one thing that I, that I try my best to do is to put a woman's mind in a man's body in a man's mind and in a woman's body, just so we could understand. And, and these are all perspectives because like I said, even when we say woman, man, and women think like this, and all we're talking about is the scenarios and situations that was put in front of us. Because when we talk about media and we talk about marketing, right now, a big major company could put a billion dollars to change those narratives and say, men are emotional and women are logical. And if they promote that, promote that, promote that, that's what society will shift to. And that's what we will start to follow. And that's what we will start to mimic and repeat and regurgitate. So all we're talking about is narratives and then what we've seen from Honeymooners to Al Bundy to these shows and these cartoons that shaped our life from Martin to whatever shows, I'm not sure what shows you watch, but all these shows, because I didn't have a family, I looked at like the Bill Cosby's and Urkel's and these shows shaped my world. 
So it's something that I that I have, and and this is called the tenth floor. I'll, I'll, I'll say this scenario. So let's let's say I'm your boyfriend, I'm your husband, you're my wife, okay? And we're in the building. Me and you are in the building, but the building is our relationship. I'm on the fifteenth floor of this building, and you're on the, the fifth floor. So we're in the same building, meaning the same relationship. And every day, you tell me what you see on the fifth floor. I see a park. I see I see the laundry mat. I see 7-Eleven. I see the corner store. You don't see none of this? And I'm on the 15th floor. I don't see any of that. Are you kidding me? You're telling me you see this and you see this? And I'm like, this is what I see. I see the bus station. I see the airport. I see the school. I see downtown. You don't see any of this? And you're like, I don't see it. So we're both arguing about what we see in this building. And you're you passionate about what you see because it's what you see. I'm passionate about what I see. And I'm like, she gotta be kidding me. You telling me you don't see the airport. Look, it's right there. You like, no, I don't see it. And I'm calling you crazy. I'm on the phone with my friends, man. I, I talk to her all night and she's telling me she don't see the building. The building's right there. And we're both frustrated. So the key is you know, we're both in this building and we're communicating. You have to trust me enough. And we have to be in love enough. So if I say, hey, and we'll say elevate, we use this word elevate. So let's say elevate is the elevator. And I say, do you trust me enough to just get off of your floor? I don't, I don't need you to come to my floor, meaning mentological. You can say we're thinkers if we're going off society's point of view. And we are in our heads. The head is the 15th floor. We're all the way up here. And y'all are in your heart space, the emotional space. That's the fifth floor. So I'm not telling you to come all the way to my mind, my thoughts, and change your whole life. You don't even got to come all the way up here. But baby, I love you. I value you. I just want you to come to the 10th floor. Do you trust me? And you go, I trust you. I love you. I'm going to do it for you. And you come to the 10th floor. And I go, what do you see? And you go, oh, my God. I see the airport. <laughs> and you go, I see the airport. I see what you were saying. I thought you were... Da, da, da. You think, no, I told you it was there all the time. And now you, as the woman, you're taking me out of this ego and off this high horse. And, you know, I need you to come down. I need you to feel. I need you to, you come down to the 10th floor with me. I'm not wholeheartedly being all emotional, but I'm going to come to the 10th floor and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to remove myself from my ego and I'm going to go, oh my God. That's the story you were talking about. That's every, I see what you were saying. And now we're in this building and we see each other's point of view and we see each other's perspective. You see what I was talking about. I see what you were going through and your feelings and emotions. And we have that level of trust and we have that level of understanding to value each other's point of view. The relationship is the building. So you see so many people that disconnect and they don't get one another. And you have a man that's not willing to embrace how his queen or his wife feels. You have a wife, oh, he just thinks and he's just stuck and he's narcissistic. Once you have these titles, you're not valuing thinking and listening to his point of view. So it's understanding that we have to trust one another, believe in one another, value one another to get on the same playing field so we can see and feel what each other are going through. And we are not enemies and we are not at war with one another. We are fighting for love, we are fighting for compassion, we're fighting for understanding. 
that should be the fight for us to push one another further into the future if we truly value and say we love one another. So that's just okay. like my 10th floor theory. I agree with you on that. And I think that is a beautiful ideal scenario where you meet at the middle. But I disagree on how realistic that can look like. <laughs> so I think yeah. that okay. no matter where you are, you're going to meet at the lowest common denominator. So if I have been doing all of this work and I am at this level and my partner has been doing some work, but is just not as elevated as I am, let's say in their personal development, when we engage in a relationship, we will go down to his low level of the denominator. That's just, I think, <laughs> gravity rules in that sense. I think it will be a lot more complicated to raise someone without them raising themselves. So I think a lot of men might enter relationships with a more mature, healed, powerful woman and think like, oh, she's going to bring me up when in fact the opposite happens and you bring her down until she leaves. And at least that's been my perspective. Just every time it's always like watching me, watching other women having to go down a step in order to meet someone at their level and society kind of projecting that like you should always do that. You should always like meet someone at their level. Whereas I'm not sure how, how much it can be to be like, I want you to meet me at this level. Like I want you to raise yourself to this level. Otherwise we don't have a relationship. And I think that happens a lot with more mature women that have an expectation of where they, not an expectation, more of a standard of what they want in a relationship. And they say no sex until marriage. Like this is how I, I do things. And you're either in or you're out. And then they create these rules almost in a way for men to, to believe like, okay, like I have to follow these steps in order to meet her as high up as she is in this space. But at the same time, I don't think we need to be creating rules because then some people take it as a competition, as a conquest, and then they take it the wrong way. And then, you know, they try to expedite it and turn it into a game. So I feel like no matter which intention you have, whichever way you want to put it, of course, is going to be good intention people, bad intention people, other people trying to skirt rules, whatever the situation is. So what are your thoughts and how to improve relationships overall so that whichever people believe in, whether it's your meet at the middle version or me believing that everyone meets at the lowest common denominator, like we can find a happy way where at least we're on a common understanding of where we want to go in our relationships. Well, um, when we have experience and a shared perspective or point of view and for the most part i, I do this uh exercise sometimes like i ask a woman and i say hey what do you think about men and, oh men men are uh you can't trust them uh, uh, men are liars and da, da, da. Well, same thing i'll ask men i'll say what do you think about women uh, women can't be trusted they only want money like so your world is in your, your interpretation of what you're actually saying so same thing when police officers say anything you say could be used and held against you. So so people speak their worlds and they speak their experiences and they speak what they've been through. And then a lot of times they can't see the world outside of their own experience. So even if you listen to those responses, those responses are, are, are emotional relationship point of views. So if I say, hey, I'm not talking about the men you've been with. I'm talking about men in general. What do you think about men? What do you think about mankind? not just men that impacted you emotionally, that lied to you. No, what about men separate and apart from a relationship? Same thing about as a woman or as men. Not about the women you were with, 
and different things like that because the, the, the number one key is that people are beautiful regardless and, and outside of relationship spaces and people are amazing. Like it could be a man that can't connect to being faithful, but he could be an amazing father. He could be an amazing businessman. He could be an amazing inventor. And people are not just relationships. Sometimes some people may never get it right. But based on your point of view, the way you're educated in your choice. So sometimes people continue to see the same results in the same situation, the same scenario. They're not learning the lesson that they need to learn to educate their choice. So everybody in front of you is a mirror. So some people get with new people and get in a new situation and they continue to see the same results. That's because they live in the same thoughts and they're impacted the same way emotionally. So your new boyfriend is becoming your old boyfriend you know, so it's like when you don't know someone and you get in a relationship and you may not trust them, and so you use protection and you use, a, you use a condom and you can't feel the deep connection of like that sexual experience. So, but some people have emotional condoms on. Some people have condoms on their soul, condoms on their heart, and they're protecting themselves. And, and as long as we have these protection layers of men are going to do this, and women are going to do this, like we're not allowing ourselves to truly, genuinely get to know another soul beyond even a relationship space. And because it's the same thing with food. Someone will say food is bad and food causes cancer. Then you have to ask yourself, what's your choice of food? You talking about McDonald's? You talking about pork ribs and whatever? Like, so now the next person that's talking about food and they're talking about you know vegetables, they're talking about lettuce and they're talking about tomatoes and they're talking about carrots and they're talking about a healthier choice. See, the choice, when you educate yourself with the choice, I'm not saying we pick broken people, damaged people, or people that's going through an emotional healing and journey, you know, because that's even a decision and a choice of if you're emotionally stable enough to be able to be able to grow with someone. So it's the same thing when somebody buy a car from the auction, you already know that you may have to put some more money in to fix something instead of someone that purchased a car that's brand new. So Yes, you may, you know, you still may run into to problems, but not as severe as a car that already has been driven and damaged and crashed and fixed. So people that live life, we crash, we break down, and now we need a little bit more fixing, don't make us bad people. But now your choice, based on your choice. So someone that I get into a relationship with, I'm not emotionally disconnected. I'm very emotionally aware. I already have my information. I already have my approaches. I'm already open. So connecting with people that you understand your level of why are you choosing? Are you choosing this person physically? Are you choosing this person emotionally? Are you choosing this person's soul? Are you choosing this person's status, their career, their bank account? So a lot of people's choices are twisted and then they define the world based on their choices. Yes, McDonald's kill people. Yes, Burger Kings kill people. When we don't connect and we don't pick people that can take us to a higher place or we can grow it's all about the choice. First, you educate yourself in you and you love you and you value you. So you can value yourself in that choice. And then with that choice, you can find somebody that's willing to come to the 10th floor because they're willing to come to the 10th floor within themselves and have they already done that work for themselves. Yeah, I see what you mean about labeling the outcome based on a choice and whether or not that's truly your perspective or just a story that you're drawing up and using proof points to fulfill that. So at the end of the day, yeah, it is all about our choices. I want to wrap up with a couple of questions for you. What is your biggest pet peeve in relationships? 
to me it's different because I can't even like like the relationships I was in I'm not even that same person anymore so like I told you it's like sparring it's like I've been boxing I've been training I've been doing push-ups so now like I'm ready to like fight at a whole new level so the person that I choose now I haven't even interpreted that person or experienced that person I don't know I'll say something simple but I guess when people think you have to love on the same level that they love to love them. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. What is the most attractive characteristic that you find in people? Details. Like I love people who who, who have details into, into their world. Like I was talking to a young lady on, on TikTok and I like to follow people that I didn't choose to follow. Like my soul said I better follow her. And like the breakdown of her food, like she's like vegan and like, she's so detailed <laughs> and it's like I value details because that is a signal of, of stability so I value details I'm in love with details someone that takes time to take time on themselves so that's like so attractive to me okay what pattern do you see among a lot of women in your life that you don't understand I don't know sometimes like they <laughs> women can't outthink their feelings Sometimes it's like a hamster wheel kind of situation that they will harm themselves inside their feelings. Okay. What is one toxic quality about yourself that you're working on to change? So many. I'll say this, and this is a good and good thing. Like I said, I don't use that. I'm having a hard time adopting to my healing space, meaning that I talk to people like they're healed. I talk to everyone like they're naked emotionally. And I run into the eyes of people that look at me like I'm crazy, you know? So I equate it to like, you know, when you look at people from other countries, I think I said this to you, and they're naked and they come to America and everybody's trying to make them put clothes on. So like, I'm so emotionally open. Like I don't have no skeletons. I'll tell the world my most deepest, darkest secrets and I'm not afraid. And I find it so beautiful to be vulnerable and open. So I get on the phone and I meet people and I'm like, yeah, man, I've been molested. And they're looking at me like, what's wrong with this dude? <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm trying to like find a balance of to realize where the world is because I have I, I discover the beauty and vulnerability and the, and the beauty of being free. So I'm I'm I'll be trying to like give it to people like look man you know this and it's like I, I get that uncomfortableness. So I, I wouldn't say toxic, but it's it's like it, it's it, it could be abrasive, and I don't even mean it intentionally, but I'm trying to find the balance of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah kind of choose your your battles in that sense and I have that same difficulty on whether or not I I even consider it a bad thing or a good thing it's just kind of something that you do and I don't know sometimes I appreciate the discomfort because it's always a gift at the end of the day right no but but I think about it like me like you know especially like when I couldn't read growing up so you know just the conversation of reading used to bother me and trigger me same thing with molestation like these, these conversations was so emotionally piercing someone sticking a knife in you so I never want to go around sticking a knife in people unintentionally so I think about other people like I thought about myself like these conversations are soft and they're delicate they should never be like abrasive and like a tornado mm-hmm. yeah so, so it's more the delivery of that information yeah. 100% the delivery the pause the making sure someone is okay yeah I think sometimes it's difficult to read those cues because you know that someone can feel that way, but you don't know how they're going to express it physically because you don't know the person, right? So yeah, totally feel you on that. 
my last question for you is what would you like to invite another man to elaborate on further in another episode on the show? I'd like to dispel the myth of narcissism. Okay. How so? That narcissism is just an emotional conduct. Like when you see something hard and when you see someone that's abrasive, they're protecting themselves. So when people go through pain or when people don't know how to express that pain, the defense mechanism looks like that person is disconnected from your feelings and emotion, but they're not. They're just in protection mode. So it's the same thing like a turtle. A turtle is soft. The shell is hard. But when they want to protect itself, it ducks inside the shell. So the yelling, the cursing, the whatever men do when you think they don't care, they just truly run into a defense mechanism. So narcissism is safety. I mean, I think that's what people believe. Which part do you think is the myth? For the most part, when women interpret that and talk about that, it's like, and I don't have like the definition. They look at it like men don't care or they don't care about my feelings and he's a narcissist and he don't care. Like it's not even that he don't care about your feelings. He don't even know how to begin to care about his own. You know, I see so what you mean. Of, yeah. yeah it's, it's sort of like right now, somebody just take us and sit us behind a plane. And they're like, go. Oh. And it's like, huh? It's like, I don't know what to do. Like you don't even know how to begin to let alone move them i don't even know how to turn the lights on so like some men emotionally is like sitting in a cockpit i don't even know what nothing is here so because i don't know i rather like create a diversion and ego and you know safety i'm scared i see that but i think i think both parties are right i think you're right in the sense of like yeah someone doesn't even know how to express that they care but I think other women are also right in thinking that the person doesn't care because they truly don't, right? They don't know <laughs> no, how to care. No. So, yeah, but that, that don't mean you don't. It's just, I don't know how to. And I've been there, like, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I don't even know how to care for myself. I never did it. And like I said, like, if you remove just man and then look at the boy, look at the baby, look at the six-year-old that was molested, that disconnected from his emotions, I have a story. It's not that I just don't know how to care. It's that I didn't have the opportunity to even learn the process. And I'm not saying every case, like I'm sure some men that probably, maybe they don't know I care. And some men is so disconnected, they don't even know they don't even know. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's so much more layered. You know? 100%. I don't think anyone's ever intentionally hurting someone or not caring about someone. I think we all care about yeah. everyone to some level. But I think it's on both sides, you know, it's yeah. like, admitting that yeah like just because I don't know doesn't mean that I'm allowed to walk all over other people's hearts you know and then on the flip side with women it's like yeah don't think that a guy doesn't care about you because that's lowering your own self-worth for no reason you know it just didn't work out for a multitude of different ways it's not that you're not good enough for him so 100% in terms of flipping that script and and I get it the the outcome is still the outcome and it's like a murderer can't be like, well, this happened to me when I was a kid. No, you murdered 10 people. Exactly. Like, we don't, That's we don't care too. about, we don't care about that. Or that. We, we got to deal with the murdering part. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a cool conversation. I really appreciate it. This was a really interesting chat. Yes, I appreciate and understand the difficulty it is for a lot of men out there to express their emotions, but I also still believe that there are more layers involved than just emotional repression, and one of them is definitely how we look at narcissism. 
make sure to subscribe. And if you'd like to be on the show or know of someone with a unique perspective, slide into my DMs at Miss Amanda Chan on Instagram. And I'll see you next Wednesday with more episodes of the 100 Masked Men. Podcast.